here, I want to do some introductions. Um, my mother is here this morning. Um, Joe Warren. I, morning, Mom. Um, you all prayed for her when she fell and broke her hip this summer, and God brought her through that in a marvelous way. Uh, she and Dad will be married 66 years in July. So, um, any goodness, well, a lot of the goodness in my life that God has brought, it's all her fault. <laughs> so, let's begin by reading our scripture, and then I have some things to share with you this morning. I am reading from Philippians 3, verses 7 through 14 from the Living Bible which is a paraphrase, by the way, I believe, of the uh, English version. Let's read this. But all these things that I want, and the Apostle Paul is speaking at this moment, and, he, and he's being very open about his life. But all of these things that I once thought very worthwhile now, now I've thrown them all away so that I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I put aside all else, counting it worthless, worth less than nothing, in order that I can have Christ and become one with Him, no longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws, but by trusting Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends upon faith, counting on Christ alone. Now I have given up everything else I have found it to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again and to find out what it means to suffer and to die with him. So whatever it takes, I will be one, with who, I will be one who lives in the fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet. But I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. What passion that uh, you read from him. Um, I want to share this with you and see if this resonates. How many of you have some twinges in the hinges? How about this one? My, ther my therapist says I'm high strung because I let the little things get to me. You're self-taught. <laughs> I'm a little self-taught this morning. Who is God? Who is God to me? Who are you, Lord, to me? W would you say that with me? Who is God? Say, say that with me. Who is God? Who is God to me? Who are you, Lord, to me? That's uh, kind of the different phases that I have been experiencing in my life, that I have experienced in my life. Who is God? 
Who is God to me? Who are you, Lord, to me? And you can see the progression of God coming closer in, in my life. Um, I was born in Texas. And um, by the way, I took that picture. That's not photoshopped. That is looking through the old Atana mission. There's a, there's a window. I was trying to shoot the pews inside. And there's a window on the other side. And it caught my reflection in the window. So it's the window. I'm shooting through the reflection in the window to the window on the other side. And this is the way the picture came out. There is a, um, a courage and humbleness. There's a courage in being uh, transparent and being trying to be authentic. Uh, I, I pray that, um, that you will sense how God has worked through me and, and you can see that in a, in a transparent way. Uh, I was born in Texas, and so this is why I, I um, mamas, don't let your kids be born in Texas. Um, why? Well, everything is bigger in Texas, bigger than life. And, and so dreams and, and those types of things, they tend to be pretty big. And so you'll, uh, as I go along, you'll understand that. Um, I, I had the blessing of being raised in a Christian home. Now, uh, mom was a very strong Christian and continues to be. She's been that all my life. I will warn you, never try to outrun the prayers of your mother. <laughs> Hands down, first of all, you can't do it. And second, it'll make you miserable when you try. Um, I've been so blessed by mom and dad and the home that I was raised in. And so what I'm about to say about our home is not their fault. It's just me and my perspective. Um, we grew up in a Christian home. Um, you didn't say bad words. Uh, you said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, or you were in big trouble. Um, what I remember uh, about our home is we prayed before every meal, and uh, we prayed to bedtime. Sometimes mom would read the, the scripture to us, but we would always go to church. Whenever those doors were open, we were in church. Uh, you had Sunday school Sunday morning. You had the worship service that had to end at 12 o'clock. Uh, th this is a typical Southern Baptist church. I mean, you could write it out for the whole year, the, the worship. Uh, training union in the, after, in the evening and then worship. And then uh, a midweek service, prayer meeting. And sometimes we're on visitation on Thursday nights. Um, what I remember as a kid is that Disney came on at 6 o'clock on Sunday nights. And the only time I got to, to hear it was when I was sick. The dog was sicker than I was. And so I didn't get to see it very often. I didn't get to stay home. I was in church at all times. I knew a lot about God. I did really good in the Bible quizzes and the, the what, what, what was it, the game that we would play, Bible baseball and, and those types of things. Uh, uh, attention, open your Bible, and, and you do all of that. I knew a lot about the Bible, about the Word of God, but I did not know the God of the Word. And that's why I wrote here uh, for you to see. Going through the motions of worship, going to church, being religious, you and I can do this and miss the God who is the fleet of it all. We run that danger every time we come in. On the other hand, every time we come in, if we are willing to meet God, He meets us. He meets us. 
Who is God? I have struggled with that all my life. God is this distant type of person. He's in the room in my life, but he stands at the back. He's not close. He's not here. Well, so here comes this thing about being uh, born in Texas. Um, it was kind of expected of me that I would go to college. Uh, and um, I was going to Texas Christian University, TCU. I, I uh, eventually was accepted there, but that's what I had set my eyes on. And one day I was talking to my mother. And she says, there's this Baptist college in Texas, isn't there? And sure enough, I looked it up. Baylor University, Waco, Texas, Waco, Texas, however you want to say it. Um, go Bears, they uh, won their game against Texas. Yesterday, I happened to be in the game there in 1974 when we beat Texas for the first time in 18 years. And so they, they, they beat Texas yesterday. But I've been in, in January of 1973, I was accepted as uh, a student at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. But I realized I didn't have Jesus in my heart. And so it was a youth revival during the summer of 1973. I invited Jesus into my heart. I had one of those moments. Who are you, Lord, to me? And I invited Jesus to come into my life. Well, I went to Baylor University. And um, I was blessed because God put me in with a bunch of Christian guys. The first guy I met turned out to be a good friend. Um, my mother, again, this is her fault. Um, we're in uh, the Baylor bookstore, and my mother talks to the woman behind the, the, the counter and says, my son is looking for a small Baptist church. Uh, do you have any idea? She's Mrs. Renfro. I'll never forget her name. She said, well, come to our church. It's small. Yeah, I'd never seen anything that big in my life. Uh, it was 275 people average in Sunday school. I go, whoa, I'd never seen it. And yet it was one of the smaller Baptist churches there in Waco. I got in with these great guys. We were, we were we, Instead of partying on Friday nights, we were worshiping. We were singing songs. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God was just coming out. Uh, I don't even know if it on sheet music yet. And we were singing it. But there was a holy dissatisfaction in my life. And... I remember in April of 1974 walking across the Baylor campus and I finally said to God, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? And God answered back to me as clear and I can, I can hear it today. I want you to write back to First Southern Baptist Church here in Yakima and ask them to license you to the gospel ministry. Okay. Um, this is why I say this. God has all the answers to your life and my life. And the answers are there. But we've got to ask the questions. And sometimes we don't get the answers because we're not quite asking the question in the right way. I, I love that scripture in, in Jeremiah 29 that I quote there for you. God is speaking and He says... You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Not a half-hearted half effort. All your heart. 
you will find me. That's a promise. And in Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. And you can see the, the, the increase in effort, the increase in intensity. Lord, yes, please give me this. Lord, I, I, I need it. Lord, I need it. And when I asked God that question, what do you want me to do with my life? I was pounding on the door. Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? So I wrote him back. Uh, First Southern Baptist Church is still there. It's a different thing. Uh, uh, last year, all the time I rode the school bus, I was in a classroom. And I could look out that window and I could see the very church I grew up in. The church that baptized me and licensed me to preach. Uh, very, um, it's just a small world. It's, it's amazing what God does. Well, I interpreted this call on my life to mean that I was supposed to be a pastor. And so, at the very... And, and, and this is my thinking. If I'm going to be a pastor, i got to be married. Because it's dangerous for a pastor to be single and to be, be a pastor. So at the very, very mature age of 19 years old, Oh, what was I thinking? I got married. 19. And eight weeks later, at the age of 19, I became pastor of a small country church, Otto, Texas. Population 70. When I got there, and one of the couples that lived in town had a baby. And so I, when I left, the population was 71. <laughs> the church is still there. I don't believe it's open. But it was uh, founded by German missionaries back in... 1903 or, or, or something like that. I could tell you stories there. Well, now I'm a minister. I, I, I've got this uh, education and uh, let me not get ahead of myself here. I want to. Uh, but God was still dif distant. He, he, who is God? And I was still there. Who is God? And I was still there. And I, and I, and I want to say to you, if you, if you please... If you take anything home with you, please don't let anything get in the way of you having an authentic encounter with Jesus. Any day, every day, because it just isn't worth it. The heartache to be religious and not be spiritual, to be, to be pretending that you're close to God and you're not. Now I won't say that it was always God in the back room. I, I opened up. There were moments in my life when He, who are you, Lord, to me? And He touched me. But please, don't let anything stand between you and Jesus. It just isn't worth it. And He died for you and He died for me. So we are worth it to Him. And He will answer if we, if we will allow Him to come if we meet him face to face. We'll talk about that more in a moment. So, I graduate from Baylor in 1977. I need to go to seminary, properly called cemetery. The, uh, the best sleeping pill I ever had was my church history book. And no, no, no pictures. Anyway, um, we're very visual kind of people. But I, um, 
It was expected that I would go to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you know anything about the geology of Texas, that's 80 miles north of of of, uh, of Waco, uh, of Waco. Sorry. Um, and, and so the, I was expected to go there. Uh, I was what was called a tube student. Grew up in a Southern Baptist church, went to a Southern Baptist college, now go to Southern Baptist seminary, pastor Southern Baptist churches, and there I am. So naturally, this Texas thing arises up in me, and I decide that I will go to Golden Gate, Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary in Mill Valley, California and uh, go 2,000 miles away. I, I went 2,000 miles away from home to go to college. Why not go 2,000 miles away to go to seminary? And so, by the way, the first haircut I had in Mill Valley, California was George Lucas's barber. So I, I don't even know. Maybe his hair got mingled in mine. And I, I, but I went out there. I graduated in 1980. I went to up here in Olympia to... Um, the pastor, and in the meantime, the, the seminary uh, started a Ph.D. program. I was one of their target students, so in 1984, I go back to seminary, and I go into this pursuit of knowledge, this pursuit of uh, prestige, this pursuit of academia. Folks, it, it, it's a trap. It really is. It's a trap. I, I understand part of what Paul is saying here when he says, I count it all as dung. Oh, uh, I came to the point where I was one month within um, completing my dissertation and turning in. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, there's lots of thoughts going in my head, and, I, and I'm sorry, uh, old age, discounted a senior moment. Uh, someone did a dissertation on dissertation. Okay, and they discovered that the average dissertation takes 4,750 hours to do. The average work year is 2,080 hours. So that, I mean, that's working full-time, two years. But my wife at the time was breaking down mentally and emotionally. And um, I was pastor at Natchez Baptist Church, First Baptist Church in Natchez. I was working an outside job because I needed to make ends meet. And I came home from work on a Friday. And um, she had disappeared with the kids. Um, to make a long story short, uh, I found the kids with a lot of help, especially with my parents. Um, I actually took her back in trying to save my family, my marriage. Um, but it didn't work. She wanted to go. And she left me with the three children, and thankfully, again, God provided help for me. The dissertation failed. I had to resign the church. Being a Southern Baptist minister that's divorced, uh, I was wanted in my uh, denomination about as much as someone wanted leprosy. And so here I am, the dark night of the soul. Now my voice is dropping and my wife has warned me that when I start getting emotional, my voice says, so I'll try to speak up. All right? Folks, God never gives up on his children. And I know I'm not quite following this outline here for the moment, but God never gives up. He never gives up. He didn't give up on me and he's not going to give up on you. 
He was so faithful. Even in the darkest moment in my life, he was still working. Um, see, when God puts a call in your life, and there's not a person here that's not called, we all are called to do our part in the kingdom work. And I thought my life was done. And God's call on my life was not. Uh, someone wrote a book, and I shared the title with it with my group. It's called Growing Your Faith in the Dark. Oh, man. I, I, that dark time in my life, I, I realized that I had done everything that people had expected of me. My denomination had told me and all these things. And yet I did not have that close personal relationship with God. But he was at work in my life. And even in the midst of all of that, he was making a way for God to fulfill, for him to fulfill his calling in my life. It just took a little different form. You see, I couldn't be a minister anymore at that moment. But I could be a nurse. I could be a nurse. And so God worked it out that where I became a nurse and I was able to minister to people and to help them. That's His calling on my life. It didn't take the form that I thought it would. That's why I added here. God is always working in the lives of His people. He never stops. He's at work in the darkest. His calling is His calling. And His calling on my heart, it didn't miss a beat. Matter of fact, I, the morning that my former spouse left to get on the plane, I took her to the plane. I went and took my test to be a CNA. And that would, me, that would start me on the road to be being a nurse. Another thing is that God will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of it. It was always my desire to go overseas and preach. Now I had, while I was in the PhD program, applied to Australia to teach at a Baptist college in Australia. Uh, I was one of four people, and uh, but the other three had completed more work and the PhD work that they were doing. And so uh, that did not work out. But I always had desired to go overseas and preach. Take the light in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's a promise that He makes to His people. And He found a way to fulfill that desire in my life. I couldn't be a missionary in the Southern Baptist Convention, but I could go as a nurse. And so I'm working in, uh, I've worked in most of the nursing homes here in the valley. And I've run into a fellow named Dr. Paul Emmons. Now, how many of you knew Dr. Emmons Sr.? Uh, I, I actually did rounds with him before he retired. Dr. Emmons Jr. is an amazing man. He has, a, I, I don't think he's retired, he's in his late 70s. But he has more geriatric patients in our nursing homes and all, all the other doctors put together. So I'm taking care of his patients in the nursing home as a nurse and because of that connection I'm able to go to Africa. I was blessed to be able to go four different times. 2008, 2010, 2012, and 2014. 
Now in my life, who is God? That was still the major part of my, my, my approach to God, my relationship to God. Who is God to me? That, that was getting closer. And every once in a while, God would break through. Who are you to me, Lord? Who are you to me? This gentleman is, uh, um, I believe, a Maasai. This is a young lady who lived near a lake. We are in a hospital. Uh, when we walked in the door, there was a little Honda generator that was the sole power for this hospital. Um, we did a clinic there. We, we worked with 75 people. Um, at the end, the administrator took me for a tour uh, because I was a leader of our team in, in the hospital. And he takes me into the, the surgery room. And the surgery table looks like an old dentist chair. It's covered with leather, leather that's cracked. And he says, uh, this is our x-ray machine. This is, the, this is where we do the surgery. Over here is where the surgeons wash their hands. And about that time, a lizard run, ran underneath the sink. How many of you have had that experience? <laughs> um, I, I didn't see one sharps container the whole time I was in Africa. And every time I went, God gave me the opportunity to speak. The first time I had the opportunity, spoke in Maguri. There must have been 200, 250 people in that congregation. 12 people made professions of faith to accept Christ. It was this amazing thing. That's Christopher. That's the mud hut that I stayed in. Christopher has five wives. He's a Christian. He struggles with his children because they continue to practice voodoo and, 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 and some of the superstitious types of things. But he's a friend. And if God gives me the opportunity to go back, that's where I'm argue to go. Because he is a friend in Christ. Friends are friends forever if the Lord is the Lord of them. And I can walk right in, and he will know me, and I will know him, because we know Jesus. So fast forward a little bit in my life. It's 2011. I had remarried, but I married someone who was struggling with mental illness. It... Um, I'll just say this, the, the, she decided that she didn't want to be married anymore. My life is shattered again. But I made the decision I was going to stick with the Lord. Not like last time. I, I rebelled. I was not close to him. But I made the decision I'm going to stick with him this time. I'm going to do it his way. I'm going to find what he wants for me in my life. And um, I got into a divorce recovery program called Divorce Care. Many of you have heard of it. That's where I met, I met this amazing woman that I'm married to, Cherie. Um, by the way, let me back up and say that um, my daughter Crystal is here, right there. And uh, my son-in-law and rock hunting hound, he's standing right there. Dustin's here. He's my youngest son. And who are you? No. Um, 
And uh, Chase is here right there. He's my youngest grandson. I have, and where's Ambelina? Back there. All right. And then I have an older son named Daniel. And God has taken care of us through the years. Daniel is not here this morning. He's a nurse. He's a registered nurse, and he is working double-doubles on the weekend. He's old. But God was not done with me yet. God was not done with me yet. He was confronting me with this question, Who are you, Lord, to me? I could not avoid that. If I, if I was going to walk the way He wanted me to walk and do what He wanted me to do, He's got to be here, not back there. So I met Cherie at Divorce Care. We dated in 2013. We started dating. I went to Africa. I was kind of miserable. I wish she could have come with me. Came back. We were married in April of 2014. Do not ask me the day. I think it's the 5th, but I may be in trouble already. Who knows? <laughs> but I'm a married, and, and, and you all know her. Some of you know her better than I do. You've known her longer anyway. I'm married to this amazing woman. Her, her walk with God is so fresh. It's so alive. And then I come, we, we were looking, before we, we were engaged to be married, just when we were dating, we, we wanted to have a church family that we could share together. And so we came here, and we didn't, uh, I, I saw uh, Jimmy John and Donna up there. We didn't think you had a pastor. We came four times before we actually got to hear him. Yeah, he was out doing whatever. And, uh, um, but we, we wanted a church family that we could share together, and we found you all. And we've fallen in love with you. And because of you, because of you, where's, where's the Andy? It's all that boundaries class. Well, you're right there in surrendered hearts and just the... The, the worship, and you all have confronted me, confronted me with, who are you, Lord, to me? Who are you, Lord, to me? You know, Paul, I, I, can, I, I really resonate with what he's saying here. He had all this education. He knew the Old Testament inside and out, but he missed the God of the Word. To the point he was persecuting the very son and the people who followed him that, that God had sent here. All of that, that stuff. And he realized it's all dumb. It's all worthless. When it compared to coming to know Jesus, to know him. Um, I could tell you I would trade that education just for a few more moments with the Lord where we're face to face, where he's speaking to me. Now, God is such that I don't have to trade that. And he uses that in my life in, in many different ways. But, but it's worthless. Knowing all that stuff, who cares if you miss the essential things? I miss so much time with Crystal and Daniel 
and Dustin because of a search for academia, whatever. Paul says that I may know him, that I may know the power of his resurrection and the the fellowship of his sufferings be conformed to the light, the likeness of his death. Who is God? I know a lot about him. I know a lot. The tetagamatron, the the heilgeschichte, all of that stuff. I learned German and French and Hebrew and Greek to get into that PhD program. I have I was responsible for 40,000 pages of material when I took the, the, the uh, comprehensive exams after the, the classwork. I didn't even know my own name when I got out of those things. Anyway, who are you, Father, to me? This is where I'm camped right now in my life. This is where God wants me to be. This is where he has wanted me to be all these years. Who are you, Father, to me? I want to know you, Father. I want to know you. I don't know if you know the story of Johnny Hart, BC Comics. He passed away 2005, 2006. There was a a time in his life when God got a hold of him. And you can see in his comics, they, they got so blatantly spiritual that uh, some of the mainline uh, newspapers wouldn't even print what he had to say. And then I think this is one of them. I'm not sure how clear this is, but uh, one of them says, would you lay down your life for someone else? That would be pretty stupid. Yeah, why would we do that? What if you love someone so much you would give your life to save them? You mean like, would would we die in their place so they wouldn't have to? Bingo. Nobody has that much love. And if anyone did, I sure hate to lose him. Well, guys, I've got good news and good news. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I shared this with my class, uh, the basics class. And the reason I shared it was very simple. God's Word, God's Holy Spirit, is aimed right there, right here. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, you're missing all the things that God has for you. You're in darkness, and God is giving you this marvelous light of His Son. If you don't know Jesus, and, and in my life, I have fought it. I've ignored it. But I just, God is so faithful. He brings you back. He he goes after His children. And He's relentless. I love that. Reckless love, relentless love. He comes after us. Surely, goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. I am so thankful God's never let up on me. He's never given up on me. And he won't give up on you. He doesn't give up on his children. Because, believe it or not, he loves us even though he knows everything about us. And he loves us even though he knows what we're going to do tomorrow that was displeasing to him. 
He loves us. He loves me. And it's taken so long for me to get to this point where I am actually embracing that love in his, that he has for me in my life. Please, please don't walk away from Jesus. Don't, don't go there. It's just misery. When God has so much joy and so much peace, and, the, and, and there, there's no reason to live in fear because I'm no longer a slave. Isn't that a marvelous song? Marvelous truth. Okay. That's my testimony. And I, I, I ask you to forgive anything of me if I'm lifted myself up because that I wanted God to be lifted up. And I pray that God's lifted up in your heart, in your life at this moment. Dusty.